Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into the future of search. And to discuss this, I am joined once again by Piyush Patel from Algolia. His last appearance was on episode 31. Definitely recommend you go back and check that episode out. Uh, Piyush is the Chief Strategic Business Development Officer at Algolia. He oversees alliances with leading software and services companies to drive transformational digital experiences for customers. With years of experience and broad market perspective, previously serving as the global head of Sapient Nitro CMS business, where he drove triple-digit growth. He also managed global alliances for open text and assisted with expansion in North America for a French DXP company, Jahaya, which I think I just brutally pronounced. Jahaya? Closer. Closer this time. Yeah. Closer this time. Th- thanks for having me back, Tim. This is great. Again, one, thank you for the partnership. Happy New Year and some very interesting topics for today. Yes, absolutely. Happy New Year. We we were meant to schedule this a couple months ago, but unfortunately, I ran through a, uh, I think, every single virus sickness that was out there at that time. So glad to be here back in studio and uh, talking with you again. This is always a fun conversation. I think search is just such a powerful tool and even more than a tool anymore, it's a platform and an experience that is being delivered in every device nowadays and in multitudes of different ways that you can interact with it. So I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. So our theme today is the future of search. Uh, let's start a little bit, though, with uh, a couple things from the past. So there was uh, an acquisition that happened with Algolia uh, with Search.io. You want to give us a little bit of insight around that and kind of the direction and, and thought process of uh, bringing that company into the Algolia fold. Yeah, I th- you know, Tim, it's it's interesting when we look at sort of even prior to me joining Algolia, the, the history of this company is always to innovate and bring the most amazing technology that can be used for search and discovery and put it in a way that is accessible to both developers and and sort of you know merchandisers or business users, the you know practitioners if you will. In, in a way that not everybody can match what Netflix and Amazon and others do with search, right? And so historically, all the innovation we've driven has been to continue and improve that super fast engine that we've had for keyword search. And over the last couple of years, as we've seen, you know, the market start shift more and more into vector-based search engines, you know, we've we've been at this for almost two years looking at what's our best way to drive value and, and deliver the next wave of innovation. And so we, you know, we went through a lot of different companies, you know, our own efforts, and vector-based algorithms that combined with keyword was the direction that that you know we as a company wanted to go to say, hey, there are some things that you want an exact match for. Like when you're looking up a phone number, you can't get something approximately close to the, you know, Tim's phone number. Mm-hmm. You gotta have Tim's phone number. And so keyword has a high degree of value when it's something specific you need and and accuracy is super important. Vector-based algorithms are relevant and important when you're not sure what you want or the query is in a long form. I need something to keep my beer cold. We use this example with with somebody like a Best Buy. Mm -hmm. Well, that should lead to mini refrigerators, not a giant built-in, you know, $10,000 refrigerator. So there's, there's context and meaning in all of this in there. And and that's very hard to do with keyword. And so there are different use cases. You know, as we talked about last time, I think search, as we said, is evolving to not just somebody typing in blue jacket in the search bar, not just to, hey, I'm looking at something, show me something else similar to 
sort of this dialogue, right? And, and I know we've got a topic later on coming up, but that dialogue of asking for something in English, we're all becoming so used to that because of Siri and Alexa and, and Google, that that is where search is heading, is the ability to really ask for something, whether it's specific or generic, and have a path to getting to, to that outcome, right? And so that's, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the, the background and what led us to this. And, and as we did that exercise, we found that vector engines are, are really expensive and really slow because what are they doing? They're looking at something, trying to analyze a large chunk of something and what are all the possible meanings of it, both at the understanding of the item and when somebody asks for something and then being able to match the, the vectors together. Vectors are just sort of mathematical representations of something, right? Mm-hmm. And that is very expensive and, and very storage intensive. And so from a bringing it to market perspective, we see a lot of companies who've had these science projects, if you will, that are very hard to monetize. And that's not what we want to bring to our customers. It's something super expensive that's not worth leveraging. And as we went through that exercise over the last couple of years, we found this amazing team that in fact, as part of their startup thesis was, we want to be a better Algolia. It was very interesting that as we started having this dialogue directly with Hamish and his team there, I looked back at when they launched about three years ago, and, and that was in their podcast, we want to be a better Algolia. And so we found that what they were doing with their approach to vectors and hashing met with the core goals of what Algolia believes in is you know, provide that easy-to-use platform at very high speed and value you know, in a global, scalable, enterprise-supported way. And so we needed something that wasn't a science project that, that we could take to market combined with what we've already done and the value we provide to 17,000 customers. And that's what Search.io was for us. It's, it's um, com- combined with Algolia's keyword approach, their vector hashing approach together is the, is the common platform that we're bringing to market. Wonderful. Yeah. And the Search.io product we have been using as well, uh, you know, prior to the acquisition and definitely, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a great addition into the core with Algolia moving forward. Uh, you know, we had clients very happy on what they were delivering. So it's exciting to hear about, you know, how two great search companies find a, a common ground that is going to just continue to improve the search experience through what they're able to deliver through the advances and different approaches, like you said, with the vectors and, and how they were doing certain aspects of, you know, their technology approach and just really bringing both of those into the market for end uh, end users through the implementation uh, on websites and other digital channels. I think that uh, one of the things we're really excited about beginning of December, we had a, a big project launch that involved Algolia and recommends and just the ability for utilizing multiple aspects of the platform. And it was uh, for a senior living community uh, approach of finding different communities. And it's amazing how fast those search results are now. And it's critical that they're fast because we don't have the amount of time that we used to. The customer experience demands this incredible speed of return on results. And like you're saying, I mean, there's so much data that's out there, but we also have to start looking at the different channels, right? So there's there's kind of this change in search that's coming. That's why we're talking about the future of search today. And there's kind of really a couple different aspects to that. One is innovation based on customers' expectations. So like you're saying with Search.io and what they had in their uh, technology approach was beneficial to the way they approach search. But now you can combine those two as you move forward with the future of uh, Algolia and, and, and the two teams. Then from that aspect, it's really 
we want the power and improvements in search because we have to change with how the consumer is changing, right? It's not, and, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit later, you alluded to, which is great, but it's becoming more conversational. It's not just this short query, it's this longer form query. It's a conversational type of question. And when we look at the way that search comes into play in our daily lives, right? My kids are used to just asking conversational questions because that's how they've grown up learning it versus I have gone in and, you know, I've had to adapt over the years of being exposed to when Google first came out versus, you know, asking a question in conversation with the original kind of chat rooms and BBS and everything. So it's, it's really the, the, the interesting generational approach to how search is also evolving. And, and we talked about that a little bit in our past episode, but I, I really want to look at, you know, with this search experience, with this long-form query, you know, what are you seeing, if you have any stats that Algolia has has seen and pulled from the shift that we've seen in long-form query, or even to your point about Alexa, Google, and um, Siri, right? How are the, the search and, and voice search smart home devices coming into play? How's Algolia approaching that change in consumer utilization for search? So one, it seems natural for us as consumers to expect that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so that's the biggest change that's happening is we're used to, hey, what time is it? What's the weather? Like asking those questions to our smart devices. And it hasn't translated in that capability being made available in the you know, digital experiences that we interface with that aren't voice oriented, right? So whether it's in an app or on a website or kiosk, what have you in this, in this world, it hasn't translated there because it's been very complicated, very difficult. And, you know, for every brand that experienced that journey, that path is different. And so our approach is in trying to make sure that we've crafted the technology that can work. And I'll explain that what the, it can work means in a second, but we need to leave it flexible so that every brand can implement it differently, how they want it to drive that experience, right? So the front end, we don't want to be overly, you know, prognication that that's how you should do it, right? So we got to leave that open. Uh, for companies like you to, to innovate and, and help clients figure out what's best for them. The adoption to getting to that, it's complicated. And, and you know, we're still, we're still probably a couple of months away from our big launch of, of that combined engine, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and what we've been focused on is, you know, if you, if you think about how everyone's talking about AI, well, what, is, what does AI really mean? There are different elements when we narrow it down, talking about AI within a search context, whether it's a, a short query, long query, there is first the understanding of the query, right? And applying some logic to that, whether it's human controlled logic that says, hey, you know what? If somebody's searching for this, I want a merchandiser might say, I specifically want to show this result, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a, a control aspect that we don't want to give up as humans. But there's also the smarts to understand, oh, if I'm, uh, and I think I've used this with you before, if, if I'm on a um, one of the super brands, retailers uh, site, and I search for Apple, am I looking in the grocery section or am I in the technology section? Well, that means two very different things of what I'm looking for, right? And so being able to understand what somebody's looking for or what their intent is, there's some AI to be applied there. Mm -hmm. On the tail end of it, hey, some results come back. We'll talk about the middle in a second. Some results come back and you want to be able to influence those results because, hey, that's going to be a list of things. And, and you want to curate that a little bit better as a brand and make sure that people get to what they're getting to. And combine it with additional data, like, hey, I've purchased blue jeans versus, you know, dark black jeans. And so when I search for a t-shirt, what matches that? So there's a element of user data also to combine in the post query. In the middle is where I think there's the, the biggest innovation that we're driving for is, hey, 
if you understood the query and you know it's a phone number, well then it's gotta be an exact match. It can't be, let me find you something close enough in that in that area, yeah. right? And so in that middle section is where I think we're we'll see the biggest innovation that'll allow for more adoption of these short versus long form queries to to kind of be open versus us having to build interfaces that says, hey, over here, type in something if you know it's specific, or over here, you know, we'll do the long form query and two different systems will handle it. We're trying to make it easy to, to combine all of that. And so adoption is still not very high for long form queries because I don't think there's the capability out there that makes it easy to do, but there is definitely a user expectation of it that we're trying to meet and match. Yeah, no, and, and that middle is so important too, I feel, because in the experiences that we've been seeing and building uh, for clients lately, that ability to deliver a faster recognition of both context and uh, intent in the results, right? It, it, on the way to the results is so critical where, it, as you mentioned, like if you put a color in to your search query, the images should even be updated. The descriptions could potentially be updated. There's so much that you can both visually and uh, through different types of content provide, right? And and that's where those keywords still come into play, right? The you know, search will always be based off a keyword, whether it's spoken or typed or, you know, assumed in. That's where also past historical searches in that same session can come into play as well. What's the context of that setting? But also recognizing you don't want to paint someone into a corner by using that historical but that context may switch in that same session or on a return visit. So you don't want to paint them into a corner, profile them and saying, okay, well, their interest is in this or their context is surrounding the, you know, this type of product, to your example, with like using the, the, the keyword of Apple. And it could be that, you know, hey, in the past, I know that they searched for and bought blue jeans. Next time, maybe I want to show them a different color that they looked at but they didn't actually end up provide, you know, uh, buying and purchasing at that point. So there's a lot of different ways that we can use the data from the search journey in providing a better customer experience moving forward. And I think that's yeah. one of the areas I want to just in my future searches. Search isn't just in the moment. Search is before, in the moment, and after that it can impact that customer experience. So there's a lot of great... That's I think you've, you've heard us say this before. We, we use the term search and discovery, right? Yes. Because there's a... There's an element to, I know, and I want something specific. That's pretty much search. Mm -hmm. And then there's the before, after, or I'm not sure, and the discovery part. And I think the tools are the same, but at least how we look at providing the tools is to enable that entire set of capabilities, regardless of how you want to use them. Yeah, no, absolutely. When we look at just the way that we have innovation, depending on where people are coming from, right? And working at scale, response time, we talked about speed, even, you know, internationally, globally, right? Search is happening everywhere. It's not just at your office or home desk with a computer. A lot of experiences are just mobile-based now. We talked about the different devices. Talk to me a little bit more and, and share with our audience about just the way that Algolia can deliver in that, you know, scalability, working across the world, and and, and some of the, the aspects of just global scale deployment. Because, I, I you know, Right here, live testimony, response time from an Algolia search on all the implementations we have had are incredibly fast. I mean, like milliseconds fast and, and, and for very large indexes of information that we're doing. So you guys are doing something that is incredible. And, and just talk to us a little bit about how that scale and that need for that came about. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I have to tell you, we you know we're, we're proud of what we've achieved, but I have to tell you, it's not easy because we ha- we have both ends of the spectrum that we cover. We have customers who are free, mm-hmm. and we have to deliver value. Even if it's free, we have to deliver value; otherwise, they leave. Uh, so we've got probably about five thousand free live production use cases that that our platform supports, and and so you can't throw dollars at that because it's free. Mm-hmm. But you have to have performant relevant search. We also have some of the largest retailers on the planet that push inventory to us from thousands and thousands of stores every second, product updates and all of this, and and they expect their sites to work and we don't slow them down. Mm -hmm. And so the the dynamic of what we have to focus on when we think about a feature, a capability that we put into our platform has to serve cost-conscious manner, high scale and speed, you know, all at once. And so that's again back to our our decisions around you know how we how we're bringing this new category of search to market. We can't just throw out a science project like somebody mm-hmm. else, right? So we have to be able to to deliver on this because that is what the brand of Algolia has become accustomed with is very fast, very relevant results. And so anything we do has to match that expectation. Absolutely, and I think one of the things just to remind our listeners of is that the way that you set up your search experience. There's a lot of great recommendations from Algolia about approaches for enabling that speed to be maintained in multiple areas of your website. So it's not always just working within one index E. There's multiple ways that you can break it up. A lot of optimization techniques that are through the documentation and through talking with the Algolia uh, support team is helping to provide the right level of speed and response with the breakdown of the different information that you are going through and providing through the search experiences throughout a site. And, and again, search, right? I want to make sure that I explain this too for the, how we implement it in a lot of cases. Search isn't always just that search text input field that you have at the top of a site or a microphone if you're using voice search and and, and converting that over. Search is also being used for listing pages of communities, of store locations, of uh, doctors for healthcare systems that we've enabled and set up. So it's going into so many different areas of a site than I feel most people recognize, unless you're really in the industry. And I think it's important to know that really an enterprise search tool like Algolia powers, you know, 80% of that experience on some sites at times because of the way that it can deliver the results and deliver the ability to filter and sort and find that correct information overall. No, and and some of the projects I've seen you guys do, it's amazing that that we have to have all of that flexibility so you guys have the power to do something different for customer A to customer Mm -hmm. B to customer C, right? And some of it is hidden. Sometimes you never see it, just like you said, is the results are updated based on my location mm-hmm. and filtered to the store near me so I can go pick it up in five minutes versus having it delivered. You know, that has value to both the consumer and the brand. I don't have to ship something if it's at the store near me and that inventory data makes it in quick enough to know that, hey, this just sold out. Don't show it anymore to upset the customer who came to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of capability that that I've seen your team team leverage. And and you're right. It, it's sometimes not obvious from that search bar perspective, mm-hmm. I just saw a recent client, you know, you think about landing pages, category landing pages and things yeah. like that. This client chose to, to leverage that inventory aware power. And so they have a in-stock store near you nav item. That is not a pre-existing authored page. Yeah, It's generated 
by Algolia based on inventory, based on your location, previous searches, and you basically get a very personalized page. It says, hey, here's the stuff near you. But we also, as I've mentioned, give teams like yours the ability to have that human control to say, you know what, I want to promote Nike shoes. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to have that in the result regardless because I'm trying to move that product, yep. right? So so that that capability is is very fun, um, I have to say. And it's, it's yeah, the word search isn't, isn't mm-hmm. in there anywhere. Yeah. Not searching for anything. Yeah, right? absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. And, and to your point just there, taking the search results and now using that as another way to do marketing optimization and product selling optimization is key. Uh, we work with clients on tuning their search and going through a, t- a tune-up to understand when to you know, promote certain results to the top. If you really want to clear out an inventory of uh, certain products or you know, whatever it may be, you want to make sure that people are seeing that first and foremost. There's a lot of different ways that we can optimize those results and, and promote into that what you want to do from a marketing perspective. So it's, it's amazing the power that is there uh, when you start to really build it and and understand it. As we look at kind of just the market dynamics kind of shifting over, how do you look to make sure that the effort that it takes to have an amazing search results, right? It's shrinking, right? It doesn't take as much. What I just talked about optimizing, right? That used to take a developer writing an algorithm and putting all these different score factors. A lot of that is done now. And some of it's through AI, some of it's through just machine learning, just the way that the systems are now empowered. But talk a little bit about just how bringing the power of semantic to Algolia and a hybrid search and using a single API is just helping just shrink the effort to deliver amazing search results. Yeah, I think there's, there's two big things. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of things we've done historically, like one of first of all, being API first, forget about having to deploy a search engine and manage the infrastructure and all that. We solved that problem from the day the company started, right? So, so that was one burden. Then it is, as you mentioned, hey, how do I make sure that my data is making it in and it's performing all of that, solve that problem? How do I craft my UX and, and have flexibility there that I'm not forced into that search result box kind of thing? We've done that through the front-end libraries that we provided. Where we are right now and the market need is, as you mentioned, well, I don't, I don't have time to look at all my data and decide that, oh, for this query, I'm noticing some trend. And, and so I have to do something or mm-hmm. I have to act on it. Although we don't want to take the control away from people, we want to make that much more automated, right? So the entire feedback loop, you'll see a, a huge effort by Algolia to have our customers adopt our, our uh, Click Analytics API to send events to Algolia, mm-hmm. because then we can self-tune and self-optimize for that particular brand. One of the interesting things about us, you know this, of course, but maybe the audience doesn't, you know, we do 1.5 trillion searches a year. We're second only to Google and, and we're not a public search. So that's amazing in my, in my opinion, that kind of number. The second thing is it's all unique to each individual customer. We don't aggregate, yeah, right? And so the more data that for your specific use case goes into our engine, the results are very specific to your customers, your traffic. It's not lumped in together with anybody else and some macro learnings and ML that is you know global. It's very specific to your brand, your customers, your products, and things like that. So that is that that loop of data back to informed results that should reduce the human effort. Because that's the challenge we're all having right now. We don't have enough yeah. people. Job market's still tight. Even even if you know we everyone's worried about you know layoffs and all of this stuff and the economy we're in, there's still stuff to do that we have to get done. And and we want to empower brands to be able to do them mm-hmm. as much as we can automate but leave the control where they need the control. 
Yeah. That's, that's what's right now. No, absolutely. And the API first approach for Algolia, I think, is definitely what differentiated you in, in, in entrance in the market and in the success in the market, because so much is now about utilizing the APIs from, you know, any tool, because as different systems change, that API approach allows you to just connect to the next system. And we've seen that with different projects where the CMS DXP platform has changed, search maintains, and we change that out in different, you just call in the API calls and display your display. So I'm excited about our last topic here. We're gonna jump into chat GPT. It's everywhere in the news for those of you, especially in the tech area, but even amongst, uh, I would say the younger generation, I had uh, family friends who are in college, uh, their kids and, and they're texting me, hey, have you played with ChatGPT? And, and, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, I had heard about it. I just hadn't had a chance to, to, to mess around with it. And I finally did. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and 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 since it's, it's it's a little bit of kind of like a nightly addiction in a way of hey what, let, let's go see what else it can do but it is an open api right now it's in research mode so it's free uh, you can go out and, and sign up and get an account for it but it is much more to what we were talking about earlier that conversational type of search and the results are incredible from an ai aspect and it only has data up until beginning of 2021, I believe they stated. And so it doesn't have everything that's relevant, but I mean, what it can do for you and the way that you query it is just incredible. So I'm curious your thoughts on it, uh, Piyush, of, you know, have you played with it? What are your thoughts on just where that's going? We talked a little bit about how AI is helping with like, you know, uh, I'm going to mess up on the name now, but the smart clicks in um, for tracking in on Algolia's side to help self-tune. You guys are doing an aspect of some some similar aspects to chat GPT, but, uh, what are your thoughts on chat GPT? And then, you know, any other future thoughts on where Algolia might be going with AI? Yeah, no, I think we're, we're investing heavily in this area. And, you know, we had, um, we had looked at open AI, we have a partnership with them. There are two really big things that it's doing right now. It is continuing to shape the expectations of the consumer of what they're expecting. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, it clearly is making a big, big dent in that expectation. By the way, none of my, none of my responses were queried to ChatGPT, so I'm making these up myself. <laughs> um, the second big thing is for us, you know, as I mentioned earlier, our job is to bring these interesting and, and desired capabilities to solve problems for our customers and brands as a company, as a business. I, I've read, I don't know who wrote the article, maybe ChatGPT did. They're losing six million dollars a day with the project, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's great. It's driving innovation in in thinking and, and expectations. But that's not something we, we would bring to our customers, you know, if, yeah. if it's that expensive. And <laughs> from a scale perspective, we got to bring our customers things they can use to, to drive business successfully and not not at a loss. So so we do have a lot of elements of, of what you guys as consumers are seeing with ChatGPT coming in our products, but in a very scalable and sort of monetizable business value way. That's what that's mm -hmm. the way we're looking at it. Yeah. The the aspect of it, too, like you said about just the cost, right? I think that's where a lot of people, it's exciting when something's open and in beta. Um, there's no cost associated. But once cost does come into play, to your point, it has to be delivering enough value for you to be a return on investment at some point for your organization. And so there's a lot of initiatives I've seen with a big push in certain areas when things become like the the latest trending buzzword of, you know, this is what 2023's top five buzzwords will be or whatever it might be. For me, it's, you know, there's a huge application to it. Little bit of scariness about what it can pull and do. 
because I think, and, and we talked about this a little bit before we started the recording, but just the ability to differentiate as an individual, if everyone has access to something that they just go and use without having to put thought into it themselves, how are you really becoming a unique individual contributor into society? And, and that's the thing that I always have thought about when it came to machine learning, AI, there's aspects to it that are incredible that will definitely help us and will help us move forward in, in growth and solving problems and everything else. But there's an element to it that also I, you know, having four kids, want to make sure that I'm still teaching them their own critical thinking, their own way to assess information that they receive, because yeah. solutions like that, you cannot just take at face value. There's an element behind it that you have to still have that human common sense and human intuition, yeah. I feel that that is always going to be required. Yeah, the positives, the positives are easy to identify, right? It's going to save mm -hmm. us time and, yeah. and, you know, allow us to produce better content, uh, which then you get into some of the gray of, well, how do you differentiate, as you said? Mm -hmm. And what I worry about is, as you are with, with uh, you know, from a kid's perspective, same thing for me, they're not going to learn to innovate if things are done for them. And that's what the worrying part of this is, is, you know, imagine you've got to write marketing copy for something. Mm -hmm. You just got to put in the question in the chat GPT and you have your answer. Yeah. Okay. Is is that really a, a interesting skill in a job anymore? Or is mm -hmm. it going to be automated? Why can't your manager do that instead of having you do it? Right. So, yeah. so there's a lot of dynamics. I think this, this could change, but again, it is an interesting project, not cost effective yet. Mm -hmm. And so we'll have to see where things that it is driving get adopted and, and we'll see the positives you know, shape in a lot of industries. I mean, look at self-driving car stuff. Like it, it, yeah. it has matured so much in the last 10 years. I can't even imagine what it's going to be able to do 10 years from now. Right. So, yeah. so it is, it is good with a little bit of scariness in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. So future of search, uh, lots of different areas that we see growth. AI is definitely one of them. Um, if you haven't, uh, gone out and learned more about Algolia, I highly recommend you do. We'll have links in the show description. And if you ever have questions about the different ways that search can be applied throughout a digital experience, please reach out and let us know. We'd be glad to have that conversation. Same with team members from Algolia also. For right now, though, Piyush, thank you again for being on the podcast. Always a pleasure to have you and talk through uh, fun conversations. I'm glad we fit chat GPT in. It's just this, you know, trend. So, you know, I, 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 I'm on trend with the trend, uh, which is always fun. Check it out uh, and let us know your thoughts on it as well. Thank you for tuning into the future by listening to Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information, as I mentioned, check out the description of this episode. And as always, follow us on social media if you care to join us there. I'm sometimes there, sometimes not. Depends on the day. And we look forward to future episodes. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, and I'll catch you in the next lesson.